You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, today we're ending a three-week series called Coming Home. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to talk about this morning, the shoes of sonship. We've already talked about two of the gifts that the father gave his son. And today we look at the third. So in verse 22 of Luke 15, it says, The father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Now we talked about the robe of righteousness and put a ring on his hand. We've talked about the ring of authority last week and shoes on his feet. So we're going to talk about the shoes of sonship today. We're going to talk about what shoes represented in the Bible. That's what we did with the ring and the robe. And we went back and we looked at what each of those represented in the Bible. So we're going to do the same thing with shoes. But before I can tell you what shoes represent, I'm going to tell you what taking shoes off represents so that we will be able to understand what shoes represent, okay? So the first point is this, take your shoes off. Now, you don't have to do that right now unless you've got some foot powder or something, really. You don't, don't need to do that right now, okay? But take your shoes off. So what would that represent in the Bible? Shoes represents rights. So when we talk about the shoes of sonship, the father was giving the prodigal son, listen, back his rights as a son. The son was actually saying, I don't deserve rights of a son. Just make me like a hired servant. You remember throughout this series, I said it again last week. One of the most important things that I have said, we are sons and daughters because of birthright, not because of behavior. Because some of us has had children that because of their behavior, we just want to kill them sometimes. Amen? You know what I mean. Mess them up. They just drive us crazy. But thank God He loves unconditionally. Amen? And it's not by our behavior, but it's by because of our birthright. So as we look at this today, the son was actually saying, I don't deserve rights of a son. Just make me like a hired servant. He was saying, no, you still have the rights of sonship. That's what it is. But when you took your shoes off in the Bible, it meant that you were giving up your rights. So we're going to look at some verses about that today. And I'm going to show you a couple places. But there's a famous love story in the Bible, Boaz and Ruth. And Boaz wants to marry Ruth. But there's a kinsman that's nearer in line called the near kinsman redeemer, which, by the way, represents Christ. So here is the near kinsman redeemer, and Boaz goes and talks to him and says, I want to marry her, but you're first in line. Will you marry her? And he said, no, I'm not going to. So this is what he does. So let me show you in Ruth chapter 4, verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, 
the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. Now, this really jumps out, that Christ redeemed us, and we have exchanged our sin for his righteousness. But this is the custom to confirm redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. So what was this a confirmation of? It's a confirmation that he was giving up his right. That he had the right to marry Ruth, but he was giving up his right. But the way you confirmed that you were giving up your rights was that you took your shoes off. Now let me go to Deuteronomy 25 and show you what the law said about this. This would be if a man dies and he doesn't have an heir. Then the brother of that man was to marry his widow so that she would have an heir, okay? But what if he doesn't want to marry her? So this is what it tells us. Verse 7. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Now we're going to read verse 8, but there's humor in the Bible. Okay? So watch this. Just think about this conversation, all right? Verse 8. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. You need to marry the woman. That's what the law says. You need to marry her. But if he stands firm and says, I don't want to take her. Man, I just wonder how some of these conversations went. Have you met her? She's mean. She's scared. I mean, she scares me and I'm scared of her. You know, I don't know. And ladies, I'm not making fun here of ladies because think about the lady. She can feel the same way. Have you seen him? I mean, he's ugly. Huh? You know, I don't want to marry my husband's brother. Think about that one for a while. Huh? That's why I chose my husband. He was the good looking one, you know. So I guess God puts all of these things in here because he knows humans, right? But if he stands firm and says, look at this, verse 9. I don't want her. Verse 9. Then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot. See, he's given up the right of redemption. Spit in his face. So he gets a little bit of redemption herself. She does, right? And answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel. She gets a little more redemption here. The house of him who had his sandal removed. Now, that's his name. Okay? That's his name now. I mean, come on now, listen. To me, we just don't think about these things. Think about this two or three years later. He goes to get a home loan. He wants to build a house. Well, can we have your first name? The? The? Yeah. T-H-E. Well, can we have your last name? Removed. Really, Removed. Okay, well, why don't we just have your full name? The house of him who has his sandal removed. Get it? You just wonder if they go, man, what does she look like? 
I don't know. I mean, sorry, but there's scripture right here. When you take your shoes off, it means you give up your rights, okay? So I just want you to think, because a lot of people don't realize that there are meaning of these things in the Bible. So let me just remind you then. If taking off your shoes means giving up your rights, okay, let me remind you of a very famous story that all of you know. It's a conversation about a guy named Moses with God at a burning bush. And what's the first thing that God said to him? Say it with me. Take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. You want to talk to me? You give up your rights. You come to me with no rights. You give it all up if you want to come and talk to me. So see, the same thing even happened to Joshua. Remember, they go into the promised land and they're about to go take Jericho, the first city. And he goes up on a hill and he sees a guy with a sword. Look at Joshua, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 5. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I now have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Here's what he said. I am the commander of the army. Will you give up your rights? There was no way Israel could have defeated Jericho. By the way, read right after this. The man is Jesus. And he gives him the plan to walk around the city seven times for seven days. That's where he gets the plan from. From this guy right here who's Jesus. Because it's then... He says this, then the Lord said to him, and we know the Lord is the commander of the army. See, here's what Jesus is saying to Joshua. I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. I'm not here to get on your side, Joshua. I'm here to see if you'll get on my side. If you get on my side, everything will be okay. But I'm not here to serve in your army. Why? Because I'm the commander. Now, you can serve in my army or not. But if you serve in my army, you give up all your rights and you do that by taking your shoes off. So first of all, before we talk about putting the shoes back on the prodigal son, you've got to know what they represent, okay? They represented rights, and you've got to take them off first. That's what you have to do. So number one is take your shoes off. Here's number two, real simple. Put your shoes back on. Now you say, what do you mean? I'm talking about the rights of sonship. Not what you can do on your own. Not what you've earned. Listen to that. Not what you've earned not how smart you are, not how great you are, 
but the rights of being a son or a daughter of God because Moses and Joshua put their shoes back on and led the people of Israel. But they led the people of Israel under God, who was the commander. So God has something for you to do, and he gives you rights as a son and as a daughter. But I want to go back to Luke 15 and just sum up what the rights are and bring in another part. And actually, I'm going to kind of end the series here. And I want to bring it back to the first part of the series, that we are sons, not servants. And everyone talks about the prodigal son. It's the prodigal son. And it's the prodigal son. But Jesus tells this story. It's a parable. A parable comes from the Greek word parabole, the Greek word. Para means alongside. The Holy Spirit walks alongside us. Bole is to throw. What Jesus would do is he would throw a story alongside a truth so you could understand the truth. That's what a parable is. So, he's the one that tells us the parable of the prodigal son. But there are two sons. This is the first time I've really said that in this whole series, right? Why did he put two sons in the story, and why is it a big thing? And remember, the father gives him a rope, a ring, and shoes. And he throws a party for him. And he tells us what the other son does. He won't come into the party. Now, let's begin there in verse 25 of Luke 15. And and this is really important for us to catch, okay? So look at this. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he, that's the older brother, was angry and would, go, would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Remember, we're sons, not servants. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Now, first of all, that's a lie. Because we're all sinners and we all fall short. Amen? He wasn't the perfect son. The only perfect son was Jesus. Amen? So we know that's a lie. The other thing is that when he says, and yet you never even gave me a young goat. Now that's a lie because you go back to the beginning and it says that the father divided to both sons his inheritance. And because you were the firstborn, hey, he got twice as much. But you never gave me one goat. No, I didn't. I gave you thousands of goats that I might make merry with my friends. Son, remember, he said, I have been serving. But as soon as this son of yours came, who was devoured, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Now, let me just sum up the rights of sons and daughters. It's the presence and provision of God. And everything we could look through the scripture to find about shoes will be summed up in what the father said to him. What did he say? 
you are always with me. You have me. And all that I have is yours. But why does Jesus even bring the older son into it? Because if you remember, he tells three parables. He tells the parable of the lost coin. That woman turned her house upside down to find the coin and called all of her friends. Remember that? Searched the house diligently and found it. She called all of her friends together and had a party. And he said, there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Then he tells about a lost sheep. A shepherd had a hundred, remember? And he left the 99, right, to go find the other. And he put it on his shoulders and he brought it back. Caused all of his friends together to have a party. And he says, there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Then he tells about the prodigal son. And the father throws a party for him. But why does he even tell us about the older son? Well, you've got to go back to why he even told the parable in the first place. And this is how. I know right now it's not sounding like I'm bringing this together. But listen, in a moment, you're going to see it all come together. The Lord wants us to catch this. We are sons and daughters, not servants. And the Father longs for His children to come back home. I said last week, some of you, are living at home, but you need to come home. Why does he even tell us this? Why does he even tell this parable? Well, it's in the first part of Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Then all of the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Now just notice, the Bible always puts tax collectors with sinners. And the Pharisees and scribes complain, listen, they complain saying, now again, sometimes words just jump out at us. This man receives sinners. See the two words there? Receive sinners? Okay, you ought to just say it out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you receive sinners. Amen? That means I got received and you got received. It's good he received sinners, but that's what they were mad about. He received sinners, and oh, he don't just receive them, he even eats with them. So in other words, because of this, he, Jesus, spoke this parable to them, saying, so why is he doing it? He's telling us three parables, which are all one parable, actually. But one reason is to show us How much the Father loves to recover stolen kids. Did you catch that? The second reason is he's showing us it's all grace and not works. Now I know you're thinking, I don't understand that. I want you to think about how much of a battle that Jesus constantly had with the Pharisees. And how many parables he told To try to explain to them. Guys, it's not works. It's grace. It's grace. So he comes to earth and he hangs out with sinners. And the Pharisees get all mad. Why? Please hear me. Because they felt they had earned their relationship with God. And the sinners haven't earned it. Did you hear that? So he tells these parables over and over. And he tells this one. I mean, the older son has got to represent the Pharisees here. 
And the prodigal represents the sinners. Because it says the Pharisees were mad because this man receives sinners and even eats with them. And he says, yeah, now let me tell you about my father. He gets excited when one sinner comes home. But let me tell you about you. You're the older brother that says I've been serving you all this time. But you've never given him one goat. And the father says, all that I have is yours. And yet you're mad because I'm giving attention to a sinner that came home. All of these things he tells. He tells about the workers that joined working in the field late. You remember that story? He tells about the guy that comes and he hires him at the start of the day. That's 6 a.m. Then in the third hour, that would be 9 o'clock because the day started at 6. He hires some more. And in the sixth hour, he hires some more. That's noon. In the ninth hour, he, has more, he hires more, 3 p.m. And then, listen, even at sunset, he hired someone. You work from sunrise to sunset. And he said, and then at the 11th hour, he hires some more workers. And then when he got ready to pay them, he says to the 11th hour workers, you remember the story? He gave them a day's wage. So the guys that got hired at the first of the day said this. Well, if he's going to pay them a day's wage, they only work one hour. Wonder what he's going to give us. We're probably going to get a stimulus package out of this. Amen. (laughs) And when he got them, he gave them a day's wage and they got mad about it. And he said, why are you mad? This is exactly what I agreed. This is what, listen, this is what they said. They said, because you're making them equal to us. That's why we're mad. They only work one hour. We work the whole day. By your pay, you're making them equal to us. Don't think about it. I mean, don't miss this. This is exactly the way Pharisees feel. But we've worked hard. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but you get the same thing. Forgiveness of all of your sins and eternity in heaven. You get the same thing as the guy that comes in at the 11th hour. But they felt like they had earned it. They felt like they deserved it. There's a self-righteousness to service. See, if you remember... The thing that jumped out at me in this parable, it was this word. Let me go back where we started. Luke 15, verse 17, talking about the prodigal son. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired, there's a word, hired servants. I'd never seen the word hired. And I knew there was something in that word hired, and I couldn't figure it out. And even the son later says, you know, I'm not worthy to be called a son. Make me one of your hired servants. Okay? Here's the whole thing that come together for me. A hired servant is an employee. He's hired. So when he gets a paycheck, he's earned it. I mean, I hope he has. He may have goofed off, but hopefully he's earned it. He worked and he got it. But that's not what we are. We're not hired servants. We don't earn it with Jesus. Look at this. 
We're sons and daughters, and it's a free gift from the Father. That's the difference, and that's what the Pharisees could not stand. They could not handle it with Jesus that these sinners have earned it. That's what they were telling him. And Jesus, over and over, parable after parable after parable, said to them, No, they haven't earned it, but you haven't either. Now, please hear me. If you feel, if you're here today, and you feel like you've earned your right relationship with God, you will want others to earn it also. And you'll look at others when they don't live up up to your standards of righteousness, and you'll be critical and you'll be judgmental. Let me just say it this way. You're a Pharisee. That's a Pharisaical spirit. It's a works-based mentality. You see, many people get this when they're growing up, whether they have good parents, bad parents, Christian parents, non-Christian parents. So when I act right as an adult now, God loves me. See, because they grow up feeling like when I act right, my parents love me. When I don't act right, what? My parents don't love me. So when I act right as, you know, an adult, God loves me. And when I don't act right, what? God doesn't love me. I've got some news for you. God loves you whether you like it or not. No matter how you act, God loves you. It's by grace. It's not by works. It's a gift. It's not earned. Do we understand that this morning? And today I want to encourage you to lay down all of your rights. To cast all of your care on Jesus because he cares for you. To give not just your life, but what? Your life that you're living right now. Your thoughts and your emotions to the Lord because he's the only one that can take those and turn them for your good and turn what was meant for evil for your good. That's how you come home. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. We are not hired servants. And Jesus has given us His grace freely. Therefore, we give grace to others around us freely. Your Father, this morning, I thank You so much for Your Word. And Lord, it is so powerful. Powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, help us to understand that there is no way we can ever earn a relationship with you. God, it's by your grace. And Lord, I pray today, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would come and ask you to be the Lord and Savior and boss of their life today. Lord, for others, Lord, who are just searching. Lord, maybe they just need to come and pray today and lay some things down here at the altar today. Lord, be with us the rest of this service, God, and help us to understand again that, God, you are a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and you are the friend among sinners. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.